Do subscription formats work? And can we improve them? That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. And me, Ariel Nissenblatt. Thanks to Magellan AI for sponsoring this article. Your podcast download counts displayed where advertisers are planning their buys. Join NPR and thousands of other podcasts on Magellan AI verified downloads. Go to Magellan.ai for more details. Okay, Brian Barletta. Today on the show, we're talking about Lindsey Graham. No, not that Lindsey Graham. That would be a big change in your show. And uh, we are here to talk about the Apple podcast subscriptions and subscriptions in general. So shall we? Absolutely. All right. Well, who is Lindsey Graham and how did you get in touch? So Lindsey creates a lot of different podcasts with his company Airship, and he does them in collaboration with both Wondery and Noiser. And I met Lindsey through Twitter. It might have even been through you. I'm actually not sure. But we started talking about different things about podcasts. And it was very cool because Lindsey was one of the more outspoken people who had a podcast live at launch for Apple Podcast subscriptions. And Lindsey kind of shared the headache that he went through with a lot of it. Yeah, he documented the entire process, which was really cool. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you learned about Lindsey Graham through me. I'm a big history podcast person and a big fan of Lindsey Graham. And I feel like every time I say that, I should say, no, not that Lindsey Graham. (laughs) Just don't want to get quoted in the wrong way. Um, So today we're discussing Lindsey Graham and his experience with Apple podcast subscriptions, the good, the bad, the lacking, and how publishers can use them to their benefit. Lindsey has all of his podcasts set up through Apple podcast subscriptions, and it's a lot of shows, and he goes through the list of them, and it's also just a really great recommendation list (laughs) if you love history podcasts. So in a moment, we're going to play your interview with Lindsey where you discuss a few of your articles, pieces of a few of your articles of the past few months or so. Do you want to set that up? Absolutely. I'm excited to kick off my interview with Lindsey Graham, podcast host and producer at Airship and working with Wondery and Noiser. So I think that subscriptions is such an interesting part of podcasting that we're digging into. And Lindsay, I am so happy that you're here to talk through this with me because every day on Twitter, when the subscription model was rolled out for Apple, you were vocal about your experiences with it. And honestly, I follow a lot of people on Twitter, on the publisher end, on the ad tech end, brand end, but you were the only one really kind of digging through your experiences. So I'm really happy to have you here to talk a little bit more about the subscription products, specifically focused on, let's say, Apple for now, because I don't think a lot of people have had an experience with the Spotify product. And I think that nothing has really changed with like the Supercast product that I'm offering that we need to dig into it. But the Apple product is front and center because so many people use it. At least they, they use the app and it is probably the easiest path to payment. So awesome. Let's, uh, let's kind of dive in. So what shows do you have set up with subscription? Well, right now, almost all of them, if, if they're distributed by Wondery, uh, which most of my shows are, then, then they are. So that would be American History Tellers, American Scandal, American Elections, Wicked Game, 1865, Business Movers, and then even my newest one, History Daily, which is not with Wondery, but with Noiser, they're set up with Apple subscription. So all of them, all of them. <laughs> That's cool. And, I, you know, I'm actually really bullish on that. And I want to write about that in the future, too, because there right now there's about a thousand total channels on Apple Podcasts. It might be a little bit more or less, depending on when you're listening to this, and around 300 ish paid channels. Mm-hmm. And 
if you look at the Apple Podcast app, a lot of real estate has been paid towards both the channels and the subscriptions. Yeah. And so I actually believe that no matter any of the headaches that we're going to talk about today, it is beneficial for anybody who can put the effort in to be in there, to be there because Apple is going to need things to promote and need things to highlight. And the more content that's in there, the harder it is for, for someone to show to, to rise up. So I think right now is the best time to dive into it. And the people who work with Apple through these issues are going to be rewarded for it. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a, a negative thing or a bad thing to say. I think the people who, who stick with it are going to rise to the top. Um, I would agree. I think uh, Apple has a lot of incentive to to put those teams, those companies, those programs that are, are on the subscription side early, front and center. And you can just look at the front page and know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. And even in, in back channel conversations, this is their this is their motivation. This is their priority. The pushing the subscription. So, if you want to get Apple's attention, then you align your priorities with theirs. Hundred percent. So the features, I believe Wondery uses basically every feature available in subscription. And so do you want to go through those one at a yeah. time? Like let's, let's dig into them and talk through them. Certainly. I might not even know all of them, okay. but uh, um, certainly, you know, it, there are subscriptions available through Apple podcasts and, and uh, there are paid subscriptions and they will get you uh, benefits. Some of the benefits are early access, ad-free listening, bonus exclusive content. Uh, Wondery provides all of those to to its subscribers through through Apple, as they do through through their, their own platform, Wondery Plus. And I think like the features that are really neat there, like I like the ad free component to it. I'm still really bullish on the fact that people should sell one ad in those ad free ones and just be like this. This episode of Sounds Profitable is brought to you by Airship. Brought to you ad free by Airship, right? Do right. one, yeah. right? Do that, do that whole little uh, shtick there, just to throw one in there and, and do something with it. I don't think anybody minds if it's quick and it just says like it's brought to you ad free. And the ad free one's done uh, by basically taking the RSS feed, uploading a separate file on top of it, and when the people match the conditions, they have the subscription. It means that they get the new file uniquely uploaded to Apple. Bummer on the analytics end for the hosting platform, but it means that the listener gets and pays for a, a file devoid of ads, a separate file. I think that one's really neat. The exclusive content and the, honestly, the early access ones are the ones that I'm struggling with the most right now as a listener. And so do you subscribe to any podcasts that have subscriptions that you are not subscribed to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now the, the caveat is that unfortunately, because I make so many podcasts, I don't have a lot of time to listen to them. <laughs> so the closer you, know, you get in the industry, the less oh, time yeah. you have to listen. It's awful. Uh, you know, it's the the you know, kind of a, a weird shoemaker kids uh, syndrome. So yeah, I, I actually don't think I subscribe to to anything other than the Wondery Plus and a mistaken <laughs> an accidental subscription that my wife made to Noiser. But that that's kind of a, a part of this process. It's she made a, a mistake and subscribed, not trying to follow the show, but it ended up subscribing. Yeah. And I think this points to some of the early heartache uh, with with the Apple subscription program that it's just, it's tough to decipher for the end user. Yeah, we changed the language and that's really rough. I mean, like, I don't disagree with the choice on it, but it 
like as an industry, it doesn't feel like everybody's adopted it. At the end of the day, like I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Spotify and Apple have gone that way. I think Google and and Amazon, we're going to see it very much follow along with that. So follow for the unpaid and subscribe for the other. Apple's pretty good about showing you when it's going to use your credit card, and you have to really opt into that. But the process is pretty buttery smooth, and that's attractive to me. The thing that bums me out is so I actually follow all of your podcasts, and if I don't pay attention and I don't open the app for a few days. I will open it up. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm not on the latest version of the OS. The Apple Podcast app is uh, tied to the operating system, so I might be behind on here. But I get a notification that says the content that you're looking for is not available because you're not a subscriber or something like that. And I get that once per show that it tried to download. So if I'm following all of your shows, it's three or four right there that I'm immediately getting that notification for in a row and it doesn't tell me which one it is and it doesn't upsell it and then i go to the page and depending on how the order is set up it's not always the top one on the list right because yours are set up as a story right nobody wants to listen to part four if they haven't listened to part one so if i load some of yours up i don't see the one that's a subscriber yet i see the first one i haven't listened to in that series or that arc and i have to scroll down and see it and i think that part of the user experience is rough yeah, well, either way you look at it, you, because actually mine is set up differently so that, you know, new episodes are always shown first, which guarantees me that the newest episode is always the subscription episode. So that if I were to, you know, get a notification, new content's available, and I click on it, I'm never going to get it. And in fact, that's been the, you know, a, a constant complaint from users who are not accustomed to it yet, even months after after the rollout, uh, thinking that, um, that you know, we're, it's a bait and switch. So what's interesting is I'm looking at my settings here and for American history storytellers, I have it on, I don't believe I've changed any of these, but I always own the fact that I might've fiddled with it. I have it specifically for American history storytellers. It's newest season first. Mm. And when I get to that season, it says season 39 and I see episode one, episode two, then episode three subscription. And if I'm just there at the top, I only see episode one on the top of it, which doesn't say subscription. Subscription is the third one on there. So when I try and figure out where that subscription episode that I didn't have access to, it's a little bit buried. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think that might be preferable. That at least makes sense. You see some some content ahead of it. Uh, When it's the other way around, when the most recent thing you see is subscription only and you try and click on it, you know, that's any way you look at it. Yeah. There's a little bit of problem, (laughs) some friction in in the, the experience. But I, but it's the right direction and it's, and I just, I'm excited for them to provide more tools because like, how cool would it be if you clicked on that instead of getting the episode that was subscribed, you got something that was just you talking and being like, Hey, I just want you to know this episode will 100% be available for you to listen to in one week. But right now it is for subscribers. I'd love for you to give the free trial a shot. If you could do that. Yeah. I know one of the things I wanted to talk about was you got review bombed on basically everything because- You launched yours, the subscription, right when the last episode of one of your seasons was set to go live, right? Yeah, yeah, 1865, uh, the, the 13th and, and final episode of, you know, of, of, a, of a series, you know, a, a, an audio drama scripted series. And it, it sure did appear to a lot of people that, <laughs> that at the very last moment, we decided to make you pay two ninety nine or whatever to hear the conclusion. And of course, that, was, that wasn't the case at all. But it, it, it appeared that way. You know, I would love for 
some small 15 second snippet of audio to pop up to explain, you know, this is, this is coming out next week or whatever we yeah. try, you know, we, we've had to, we've had to adapt with the tools we've got. So the episode description is just stuffed with disclaimers yeah. uh, to, to try and <laughs> try and explain, you know, to, to listeners that this indeed, this free content will be free in seven days or whatever. And you do that. You do a great job at them. This episode comes out for free on 11.17. It is 11.12 right now uh, and is available early and ad-free for Wondery Plus subscribers. I think you do a great job there, but it doesn't pop, right? No. Like and you're and, using and, the tools available to you. Right. And that's completely outside the, the Apple yeah. experience. You know, that, that episode description uh, might, in fact, I don't know, but it's probably not it might be the RSS feed episode description. It is. It is very likely the RSS feed subscription. Yeah. So, so you know, people on all sorts of apps are trying to figure out why the hell this message applies to them. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's tough, right? Like, I, I think, but I think it is the right direction. I absolutely agree that we need more ways to pay creators, and I absolutely think that there is a subscription like model. I binged, listened to Toxic. Uh, because someone recommended it. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on with Britney Spears. Someone was talking about it. It was kind of interesting to me. I got to the end of it and I was like, I would have loved an easy way to throw them like five bucks. Yeah. Right? Like I don't hesitate when a new episode or a new season of a show on streaming is like not available, but I can buy it for right. like three bucks an episode. I don't think twice about it. And I think there are a lot of people who don't. Uh, I just, we haven't quite cracked paying for podcasts yet because so many people are used to getting them for free. And I, I, I am excited by what Apple's doing here. I, well, I, I think it's a continuation of what media has, has been going to of all sorts have been going to, you know, we, as soon as on demand became a technical possibility, subscriptions became the model, you know, Netflix, yeah. of course, leading the charge there. But, but one problem with podcasting is that it's open nature means that there is not a giant marketplace that conglomerates the payment process and, and the subscription process and and Apple is the closest we've got to it so it seems natural that that they would start start the effort but you know I'm sure I'm sure you've run into this uh, on in television that you you want to watch a series and it's not necessarily tied to a certain network and it's available on maybe 3 or 4 of them yeah uh, and and you go oh I can buy it for for 5 bucks you know for the uh, an episode here not knowing that it was free for, you know, the next two weeks over here on Hulu or whatever. Yeah. It's the same problem, you know, like the, 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 the mass distribution of it, the, the, the open source aspect of podcasting uh, is fantastic and gives it the character that the industry has, but it means that purchasing things is difficult. Well, what's, you know, what's really funny about that, that you said that is I just bought an Apple TV and I, for the longest time, have had Android ones because I'm very focused on like streaming different types of content or video games to my TV. And it just worked better for what I was trying to do. But it broke. My wife said, I just want an Apple TV. Every other product in our house is Apple. The Apple TV app by default seems to connect to my Hulu and mm -hmm. HBO Max and all and Disney Plus. And then I don't even realize that I'm in the Apple TV app and instead of the individual apps and it aggregated it. And then if there's a show I wanted to find, it searches through all of them and it shows me where to buy it, selling it right. from them or Amazon. And that aggregation is so attractive. And Apple's done that now on TV. The hard part is, is like, they still prioritize Apple TV. So what's a world like that where they do something like that with podcasts where they could pull it in from Spotify and they make that available? I'm sure Spotify wouldn't participate in that, but it could be really neat being able to have that aggregate nature 
in podcasting as we get towards paid media. I think that trying to figure that out, right? Most people that are listening to podcasts right now are not switching between apps that I know of. They will make the full migration for what they want. And if it's not there, they'll move on. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, the, we have been living in the last 15, 20 years in a, in a platform economy. You know, the, it's, it's, the, it's the marketplace that rules things. And, um, and it makes complete sense that Apple is doing what it's doing. Because I bet even on Apple TV, I don't know the actual economics here, but all of those subscriptions that you might buy through your Apple TV are, are subject to the same 30% app store, you know, or, or developer costs, pass through costs. Yeah. And, it, you know, and so you face a decision uh, if you are, for instance, a Wondery that has its own app and its own platform and its own ability to collect payments. And then Apple comes along and says, hey, do you want to do the exact same thing, but we get 30%. And Wondery says, of course we do, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no, there's no negative answer to that because Apple is, is a platform ready made and commands 30, 40% of the listening audience. And it would be hard for anyone other perhaps than Spotify or Amazon to catch up in that sort of, you know, platform economy. I agree with you on that end. And I don't know, it's just, it's so interesting. How do you feel as a listener? I mean, I know you don't listen as much anymore but like do you feel that subscribing to each individual show or to a network solves your problem like i i'm very happy with my wondery kids plus subscription because i love wow in the world right mm -hmm. that was such a big win and now they have who what wow i think is another yeah. one on there and i'll just explore everything on there they've got enough content that i'll dig into it and I'll start having fun with it but like a, a great example is i like a lot of q code shows I do not like all Q code shows because right. I shouldn't. They're not all the same genre. They're not all the same focus. A kid show is kind of a kid show is kind of a kid show. Q code is big media. Wondery mm -hmm. is big media. There's so many different things on all of them. When you, when you as a consumer, when you think about it, is subscription the right model for you? Do, or like, what is it? Do you want to pay an aggregator and just get a little bit of everything? Or do you want to get as narrow as we are right now? Oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, subscription and niche work, uh, because I think you're going to bump up against this uh, divide between value and, and, and some sort of charity. Like a, a lot of people will support the creators they love. Yeah. And, and that, that's fantastic and amazing. And probably how bulk of the podcasters get by on Patreon or, or whatever, but that's not commerce. You know, that's, that's, that's not a, yeah. an exchange of value. I mean, it is, but you know what I mean. It's not economic yeah. value. And so I think in contemplating subscription, you have to gain scale. There has to be enough offering so that the average consumer can say $2.99 a month or $4.99 a month, that's worth my dollars. I mean, because we know Netflix, which is now you know a household name and global <laughs> entertainment powerhouse, costs $10.99, $15.99, whatever it is. And they have that scale of, of offering. Yeah. So if, if I say, hey, listen to my one podcast to one third of that, it's clearly not a, a linear value equation. There are all sorts of other things to be, you know, to contemplate there. But I, I think in general, if we're talking about the, the, the average listening public and uh, not in 2021, but in 2026 or 31, when, when this industry is really, really matured, then scale aggregation choice, consumer choice has to be uh, a part of the equation. 
Yeah. And I think that that's going to be interesting, right? Like I work in the industry, you work in the industry where I think I would pay 15 bucks for bonus content for anything, right? Just everything on Apple Podcasts that has opted into it, I get access to, right? And and it's distributed based on listens or something like that. I don't think that's great for the creator. But in the same regard, now we have, you know, Wondery gathering as many shows as possible, adding it into that, right? And taking the risk on there and figuring out the right price point. So they're just like a mini aggregator. So I don't know. The, the fear of being everybody's fourth favorite show and only wanting to subscribe to three is a big deal. Like you said, the value being one fifth of what Netflix clo- costs, like when does that even out? But podcasting is so focused, and I think rightfully so, on the publishers and everybody owning their content that we're going to have to think about this the right way. Whether it's a token system, right? Like you buy X amount of tokens a month and you switch off who you're subscribing to each month. That's an idea, like the Audible style would be so fun to me. You know, pay 15 bucks a month, I get two tokens. And then every month I was like, oh, I want the bonus content from this show. Right. And then next month it just kicks it back to me. Where would you like to place it again? That would be fun. I would be all about that. I don't know. I think I think it's it's got a while to go, but I think we're in the early stages of it. And I think it's very clear that Apple and Spotify have invested in it. I think we're going to see more from Google, especially with YouTube doing it. And Amazon, while... You know, they have Audible. They're very familiar with audio, like audio subscription type services. But with Wondery, what a great example. They're actively everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know the the technical requirements to this, but uh, or or really the the costs involved. But it does occur to me that that uh, some sort of open sourced content aggregator, you know, an opt in you know thing in which it, it uh, in which all the subscription money minus a small amount of overhead is distributed by by listens would be pretty easily technically achievable. Yeah. That that the idea that you need to pay Apple or any platform 30, 40% seems seems a bit ridiculous. Now obviously they're adding additional value. They're marketing different shows and stuff like that. But yeah, it would be wonderful to see some sort of uh I don't know blockchain type uh <laughs> oh, you know God. uh development in which in which you can just uh, subscribe to podcasts as an entity not not yeah. any one channel yeah i think podcasting is so different and it's such a cliche to say but like the with the hosting and the way that it's distributed it is a different model than anything else and i think that that model is going to be constantly challenged and i think there are two ways to go about it like you said we move towards something where it's an aggregate and people are paying for apple podcasts and the content included they get access to and then it's distributed based on activity or or whatnot which is rough, right? Because I'm sure that that would be less than Wondery is making right now, getting the direct payments. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong on that. And maybe it would be bigger of a appeal to pay one person than to pay four subscriptions through one app. That can be a lot to process, right? How many subscriptions do I want to have active? But the biggest thing I wish that Apple and Spotify would do is really embrace the RSS feed today. Just because of the fact that there's an additive piece of content that is going to be served when someone subscribes instead of the content on the RSS feed doesn't mean they can't set up a bot that pings the RSS feed and tells the hosting provider, hey, this was downloaded, right? This listener did download it. It's the same exact thing. You get the same info. They're going to get more info in Apple Podcasts when it moves out of the CSV and into the, the actual UI of it. But there's so little that goes to the hosting provider and the idea of not just throwing them that small bone doesn't feel like they want to be part of the industry. And Spotify is doing the same thing, right? 
it feels like they want everybody to have podcasting and then Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. And these tiny little changes would show that they respect where we're all coming from, but they can offer something better on top that we just can't get on our own. That that instant ability on the Apple Podcast app through an iPhone device to click subscribe, double click the side button, scans my face, and I'm immediately getting that content is something that Spotify is gonna be challenged with and something that I'm even challenged with with Supercast because it requires a few extra steps. So I don't know. I think ball's in their court. I don't think they have to play with us. I think that everybody, all these major players do not have to get our approval. I just wish they would. I wish they would, you know, come talk <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't. If you've ever, sometimes the business of business gets in the way of business, you know? Yeah, and, and, yeah you're and, not and, wrong. And priorities are, 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 are obviously ranked. But being a good steward of of the industry or or citizen sometimes gets lost. This this isn't one of their priorities. It means nothing to their bottom line, probably hinders some of their technical problems. It might even be counter to some of their their priorities of of making their platform the platform. But yeah, it would be nice if if everyone said if everyone understood that that after the first tier of of the industry, the wonderies, for instance, you know, who, who who have the staff to upload separate files and manage separate data streams and, and, you know, do everything. My, my company is, is four people and we don't, we can't do that. I mean, that would, that'd be horrible. I, I producing the second file for Apple is tough enough. Um, so then managing it, uh, yeah. all, all the back back end. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really difficult. And it would be nice if, if it would remained as open as it was. Yeah, because you say that right now with four people on your team and just Apple, if you release something completely on your own, unrelated to Wondery or Noiser, you're in a situation where you explore Apple and Spotify and Supercast, right? Or your own yeah. direct solution. And so now that's your hosting platform and those three options that you have to upload things separately to. And it's not that it's not easy once you get in the process, but it's work. It's ours and it's not unskilled work. It's something that someone could be taught. It just, it, yeah, it eats up a lot of time and it's, and it doesn't necessarily today recoup that value completely. Yeah. You know, the beyond time I'm dealing with this every day um, and, and just workflow, you know, we've got more shows now the daily one. So believe me, you know, the pressure to get, get all this stuff out yeah. the doors is in, in increasing. And it's not so much the time because it doesn't take so much time. It's the additional point of error, the opportunity for error for every new file, for every new upload, for every new description, you know, piece of text that I have to upload along with it, metadata. I've doubled my opportunity to make a mistake. And from a content provider, I mean, a creator, that's the worst thing. You know, that's the absolute thing that I don't want yes. is, is anyone listening to this and going, this is bull crap, uh, cause there's a click in it or, or it's the wrong file or, or the wrong name or any numbers of things. That's, that's my nightmare. Uh, now I have four places to make a mistake and I, I used to only have one. Yeah. People ask me, how did I get where I am in ad tech? And I say, <laughs> I have messed up a lot. That's it, right? That's how you learn from all that, but that's not great, right? I can mess up on the Sounds Profitable podcast. Someone will say to me like, hey, that dynamic ad insertion completely interrupted right. the middle of the episode. And I'm like, oh, and 
300 people might get upset about that, right? Like, but they didn't pay for anything and it's a, it's a playground. But when it gets bigger, when people are paying for something, when it's supposed to be a much more professional quality, that's rough. Those mistakes cost money. I have cost damage or caused damage that costs a substantial amount of money in my ad tech career because you have to repeat the same things over and over again. When you have to do things that workflows aren't built out to do and a human has to copy and paste 350 tracking pixels to different strategies, you inevitably make an error. And worst about worst case scenario, like you never find out about the error yeah. and it just all flops, right? Best case scenario, someone points it out and then it takes you five hours to figure out exactly what you messed up to figure uh, out. It, it's, it's, it's nightmare fuel. Uh, you know, I, I, you hit publish on something and then uh, the next day, 12 hours later, someone, someone just lets you know, Hey, half the episode is in Chinese or it's backwards or upside down or, you know, and, and, and it's like, great, you know, 750,000 people have just listened to this uh, complete my ass in the air mistake. And uh, yeah, hate it. Yeah. But you know, I, I think a good way to wrap this up is that, it's very clear that you and I are both bullish on more ways to compensate creators. And it's very, very clear that Apple is a strong player in this game. And they really have the potential for the strongest workflow because of how easy it is to pay for it. But I think we both do agree, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we just need more. We need more options. We need more levers. We need more ways to communicate with the listeners because right now it is very easy because the whole experience changed to just leave people feeling like we're now asking for money and gating things when the reality is, is everything can still be free or still is free or is ad supported or is a week delayed or is just bonus content you would have never known about, but it's presented in a way that really can make people feel like they're losing out instead of being offered something to buy to get more. I would totally agree. This The whole thing, the entire subscription idea, whether it's Apple or, or elsewhere, is a value add uh, ultimately to the listening experience. It just has to be positioned and executed so that, that, it, that it's obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining me. We'll definitely have you back to talk more about subscriptions. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of changes in 2022, and I'm excited to hear more about your experiences with it. Yeah, great, great. My pleasure. Lindsay's voice is so soothing that when you first introduced him, I thought it was an episode of American History Tellers. He's just so consistent. <laughs> Sounds like velvet. So something that stood out to me about this conversation is something that you said. You said there are about a thousand subscription channels on Apple, but only about 300 of them are paid. And yeah. With that in mind, every time I go to the Apple Podcast app, which is a lot recently because I was on a road trip with my mom and she uses the Apple Podcast app, I don't usually. Every time I go, I do like to check up on how they're setting things up and what it looks like. And they are dedicating a lot of space on the app to the subscription channels. So that is really interesting to think about and kind of leads into something that Lindsay said, which is that if you want to work with Apple and you want to be reaping the benefits of the huge reach that Apple has and you want to be rewarded by Apple, you should work within the things that they are prioritizing. So clearly they're prioritizing these Apple podcast subscriptions. 
How can podcasters of all shapes and sizes take advantage of the fact that Apple is really prioritizing this subscription channel? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of podcasters are familiar with the pathways to submit your podcast to Apple for potential promotion. And I think really highlighting that your podcast also has a subscription option is going to be something that gets their attention. I kind of walked through in one of the articles all the different places in the app that offer podcast subscription podcasts to really show them and show how they shine to the audience. And realistically, almost every section could be 100% full of subscription podcasts. There's just ones that are very clearly for subscription only, very clearly for channels, and what sections that have been almost entirely overtaken by shows with subscriptions. So I think that anybody who sets it up and tries it out, whether you do the, you know, the early episode drop, which is one I struggle with a little bit, the ad free, which I, I don't love for reasons, um, and uh, bonus content, which puts a lot on the producer, but whichever one works for you, I think doing that and going through the submission process is a great way to get Apple paying attention to you. And I don't think a lot of people know about the submission process, so I'll just talk about it for a second. There is an Airtable form that is available if you go to Apple Podcasters, and you can, they don't make it the most obvious form in the world because they get a lot of submissions. So you can find it or you can feel free to DM me and I will send it to you. But basically it's an Airtable form that asks you why your podcast should be featured and where it should be featured. So should it be potentially considered for new and noteworthy? Should it be within a section somewhere on the homepage of Apple? But Recently, they added a section within that Airtable form that asks if your podcast has subscriptions available. And that's not really asking. That's telling. That's saying you should have Apple Podcast subscriptions available. Um, still, a lot of people don't. Like Brian said, there are only about a thousand podcasts that do. Uh, but that kind of gives you an opportunity to stand out. So I think in your article that you put out a few weeks ago, Brian, for Sounds Profitable, called... Give yourself the gift of Apple podcast subscriptions. I think you're really advocating for people to at least try it out. Yeah, I think it's worth it. I, I really think that it's it's not a lot of overhead to even do it, right? If you are going to just strip your ads out, then the file that you're uploading for dynamic ad insertion, that base file is the same file that you'd upload into Apple. Yeah, I think you can always cancel it. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't get the adoption. That's fine, but... I really mean it. I mean, we're, we're recording this on the 10th of December. I think it's starting to get too too late to really catch some of that holiday buzz. But I think in January, people are going to be a little bit slower on their work or whatnot. It's colder. I expect podcast consumption to be pretty high and people are going to have gift cards and Apple, you know, Apple gift cards do apply hmm. to that. So That's interesting. I think it's a yeah, it's a great way to, to give it a shot. Before Apple podcast was a thing in my brain, I used to get a lot of iTunes gift cards yeah. for my bat mitzvah and things like that. That was like a, a big giveaway in the year 2005. <laughs> um, so definitely familiar with that. And what I would absolutely use it now for uh, to test out Apple podcast subscriptions. I would love to see what that's like. Yeah. So you don't use Apple podcasts at all, but you don't even have anything that you're subscribed to. I'm sure I do. If I go into my library, things that I've subscribed to in order to leave a rating or a review or you know, things like that over oh, the we years. We call that follow now. Oh my gosh. I am so, so out of the loop. You're not, you're not paying for any uh, no. services. Are you? Yeah. Wondery, uh, Wondery kids. Ah. ah, yeah, that'll do it. No, none for me. I knew about the change from subscribe to follow, but I guess it's not part of my vocabulary yet, which is saying something, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of rough to take a word that we've been using for so long and change it to mean something paid but yeah and i don't necessarily even still think that subscribe denotes 
payment in exchange of money. I don't, I still am not really buying that, but I would love to hear what other people think. It's a great, great way to uh, get in touch with us. Uh, leave <laughs> a yap on uh, the Sounds Profitable article pages, and we'll definitely include that in here with your permission. So Brian, one last question to close us out. We at Sounds Profitable put out this podcast. It goes out every Monday. And then throughout the week, we have a few other podcast episode drops on the Supercast premium feed. So how does a service like Supercast that offers subscriptions for podcasts compare to the Apple podcast subscriptions? And how are you thinking about them for your show? So for me, it's the ownership. Like that's the thing with Supercast allows me to do the subscription with no cost. They absolutely sponsor it. I don't have to pay out of pocket. Very comfortable admitting that. That that means that I don't have to pay the fee per month per subscribed user, but I get their email address. I can create a custom episode for each one of them. I can see what you know what works for each of them and what's drawing them in, where they're falling off. That's very attractive to me. It connects to Spotify now, which is really cool, but I don't get those analytics. I do still get the sign-up information. With Apple, there's no way for me to make it free. On Spotify, it can be free. Hmm. It can still be locked and free. And so it just shows my bonus content over there. But on Apple, that's, you know, really the headache, right? I'd love to try it out, but I'm just not comfortable asking my listeners to pay even 99 cents and to go through a whole nother process. I, you know, it's a very small team. It's me, you, Evo, Ian, Jake, and, and all of you are, you know, helping out on, on a contract basis. So it would really fall to me or Ian. And that's just work that. Doesn't help because for someone to check it out, they have to hit a trial and then probably forget to unsubscribe to it and then pay. And then I feel guilty. And I would love for Apple to to kind of copy what Spotify is doing and allow us to use our central solution. Okay. So I mentioned that we run a few podcasts, not just the Sounds Profitable podcast. And you mentioned one last week in your most recent article for Sounds Profitable. And I feel like we should call it out. So what's the new podcast? So we just launched the Podscape podcast. So we took the Podscape, which is fantastic. Everybody should have it in their sales deck or to reference it. And it shows all of the companies between the advertiser and the listener and the podcast ecosystem. And we've been working hard to make an audio version of it because honestly, a lot of people's websites and press releases and marketing material are not great. It's not easy to figure out what people do. And even more so, just looking at a logo, you might not be able to really tell who the company is. So my entire goal was really to ask each company five questions and get them to answer as quickly and concisely as possible so that anyone who's existing in the space or new to the space can say, well, what does company B do? And in three minutes or less, really understand what they do. Uh, and determine if it's for them or or you're on the way to a meeting and you want to make sure that you understand what that company does from their own mouth. So that's live. We have almost 20 different companies on there out of the hundreds on the Podscape so far, but the form is live. And I think we've probably gotten about another 10 or 15 submissions and we'll start making a process to add a few a week. Amazing. Well, Brian, great conversation with Lindsay. Love hearing about the Podscape podcast and I'll catch you next week. Before we wrap up, here's what's happening this week in the world of podcasting with James Cridlin at Pod News. If you want to connect or have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on social media at Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That on Twitter, podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email, or reach out to us via the Yappa link in the show's description. 
This show is recorded with Squadcast. Squadcast is currently running for the month of December a 50% off deal using Mary Squadcast 21. I use Squadcast for every single thing I do for video recording, audio recording, everything. And I absolutely recommend that all of you check it out as well. If you haven't already, check out the private feed on Supercast for access to the narrated articles and early drops of the interview episodes and Sounds Profitable and Espanol. There's a link in the episode description. Thank you to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode. 